What's your name? My name is Brooke Lining. Where are you from? I'm from Irvine, California. I'm 22 years old. I just turned 22. You just turned 22. Yeah. In June 18th. June 18th. Mm -hmm. Where are we? I don't know. We're at some random park that you grew up at. It's nighttime. I wonder what all these people do for a living. What all these people do for a living? Yeah, all the people playing volleyball in front of us. It's a Friday night and I'm definitely not the type of person who's going to be fulfilled playing volleyball on a Friday night. You're not? I don't think so. I don't think I ever will be. But we're sitting here at a park watching these people play volleyball and <laughs> it's a Friday night and we're doing this interview even. Yeah, but it's okay. It's for artistic purposes. Okay, cool. Oh, by the way, I have to show you my, um, my fair photos. They turned out really nicely. Your fair photos? Did you go to, oh, you took photos at the fair? Oh, yeah, wait, did I not tell you that? No. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you that. I had to take photos for my final project. Oh, and they cool. turned out really nicely. I was actually nervous that they weren't going to. I took three rolls, and I have an AU1 program, oh. and sometimes, like, when you load the film, it'll say that it's loaded, but it's not. And right. so, I, like, I've had whole rolls that have come out blank. So I was like, I'm going to shoot three rolls and make sure. <laughs> so all three of them turned out. So then I had like over 100 images to choose from for like my final project. I only had, I could only choose from five prints. That's good though. Yeah, it was, it was cool. But now I like, I was just want to like take more photos, but my quarter's over. So <laughs> I don't have a dark room. Well, you can just get it developed and I think I'm going to buy, I think I'm going to buy a negative scanner. Yeah, I mean... I have one, and that's how I've been doing. You have one? Oh yeah. How much was it? Well, mine was like seven fifty when, like, like five <laughs> oh years ago. Oh my god! And that's all I've been using. I have I have not printed on paper in a long time. That's cool. You know. Um. <coughs> yeah, I don't know. I kind of just started, so we'll see where it goes. It's kind of difficult though, because my brother's like a crazy film photographer. He's incredible, so it's like kind of a double-edged sword because. I love photography, and potentially it could be like an outlet for me to be creative. And I don't know. It makes me happy when I can take photos. Like I love taking photos. So don't let anybody take that away. <laughs> but from he's you, so though. good, and he's just like taking so many classes, and he's like he gets paid so much money to take photos that it's just like. But that doesn't mean intended. his photos like depreciate any of your photos. I guess I just I just feel like I want to know everything but I don't he just knows everything it's just so swallowing like everything that he knows you know what's funny I don't think people need to know everything anymore I think it's um if you're just doing this for yourself and you really want to get the images mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you know because yeah. they're your images. Like, if you want to post them online and you want to get paid and you need to know how to do this yeah, and this really, and this and this. That's super true, but I just want to respect photography. Like, I want to do it right, you know? Yeah. And I guess you're totally right in that my images are my images and it's, like, sacred in that sense and it shouldn't matter. But, like, as an artist, I have a lot of respect for photography. Okay. And... I appreciate it, like Robert Maplethorpe, and I don't know. I'm I'm really into it, but but those guys were who they are because the photos they took. Mm -hmm. I mean, once you get to the commercial level, half the time, like it's the photographer. It's like yeah, 
it's just like it comes to a name or it comes to like who they're taking the photo of or mm. who they have access to um you know i mean no it's can... totally true and that's why i feel like almost like it's almost shameful to like want to do something or not shameful necessarily but like it's so hard to say you want to do something because this day and age everyone's a photographer like everyone has an instagram everyone thinks that they're like artistically warranted but they're not like (laughs) it's not that they're not it's just that I don't know I see it differently because I throw everything that I have into the things I do like my passions are so sacred to me that it's almost like whoring art out when you like have something like Instagram or something but you have an Instagram yeah yeah (laughs) I have it I have an Instagram it's so it's like it's like a guilty thing it's like a guilty pleasure what's the value of that like let me tell you what the value of it is most people in this day and age are in it in life for the distraction aspect of it they just want to be distracted even if it's for five seconds to laugh at like a picture of a cat or something like but distracted from what? Like it's just so, it's just such a hard topic to discuss because there's like depending on who you are as a person you could see it completely differently. I think that because I've been an anthro major, like and I've studied human beings for so long, that I'm sort of what's the word? Pessimistic about people. It's bad. I wish I wasn't though. Because I have, I feel like I have so much, like, love to give, and I have so much passion, but people make me sad. Maybe it's Orange County. I think so. That's interesting. I think we should talk about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hold on one second. Okay. My mom enrolled me in dance when I was three years old, and I wasn't very good. When I began, I didn't remember any of the routines, and I would have to, like, look at the other little girls on stage to remember it. Um, But I always smiled. I was, like, I had, like, a crazy big grin on my face. And then I had a teacher who came into one of my classes and watched our performance, and she was the teacher who did all the performing groups at our studio. And... She told me, you have to try out, like, your smile, like, you're a performer, like, you have to. So I started to do it, and this was a pretty bad studio. Like, the technique that they were teaching, it was just really bad. So then, um, eventually, like, I outgrew that studio, and I went to Pacific Dance in Irvine. And this was in middle school. And in elementary school, I was kind of an awkward kid, and I didn't have many friends. And dance was a profound opportunity for me to not only, like, change my lifestyle and the way that I was, like, my character, my identity, but I also made incredible friends. Like, friends to this day that I know I'll have my entire life. Caitlin Sears is one of them. And you went to high school with her also. Oh, yeah. I went. I met her in Mr. Croner's class, first day of seventh grade of an auto. I don't... Who's Mr. Croner? The guy, the bald dude. The science teacher. Yeah. He was, he was actually pretty cool. I Personally, I thought he was cool. He was pretty chill, 
A lot of people didn't like him, or they would say shit about him, which is weird. I yeah, I, I think always, he was a pedophile. That like that kind of shit is weird, though. Why would like a seventh year, like how old are you when you're in seventh grade? Twelve, thirteen. Like why? What 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 business? What business do you have saying that about somebody? Yeah, it's true. But, That's because like, there. Are, I mean, assholes exist at every level, even seventh grade. But you're you're like twelve, thirteen. Like, why are you thinking about pedophiles? No, you're totally right. I mean, to be completely honest, I was super prude. Like, I didn't know what anything was when I was even in like eighth grade. I was just like, yeah, like friends. Is that being prude or is that being like your age? <laughs> you're. I mean, you're right. But I feel like Venado was like a very fast school. Like, there were people there who were doing ridiculous shit. Yeah, there were. I mean, I had friends who were telling me stuff that like. I was uncomfortable yeah. about, I didn't want to alienate myself from my friends. Yeah, that's uh, super tough. And actually, that's a, a lot of life is just like, it's hard to be a part of someone's life when they're doing stuff that you don't appreciate as much as they do. Definitely. I mean, for me personally, like, I always had issues with, like, friends. Like, to this day, like, I have issues understanding what friendship is. Just because growing up in Irvine... People didn't want to invest in you, or at least the kind of people that I met. It okay. was just like they need someone to go to the movies with, and then they ditch you, and then they'd go like give a guy a blowjob and like leave you with his friends, and you'd just be like, "What is this? Like, I'm at the spectrum." Well, the, 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 these are girls who, needless to say, I'm I'm not in contact with anymore. <laughs> but um, should I get back to the dance? I mean, wherever you want to go, it's <laughs> fine. This is like, we're out at a park. Like, people are playing volleyball. There's lights on. It's like 10 o'clock at night. They're playing basketball. Like, we're at, like, we're being kind of weird, actually. We're just sitting no, on a bench. No, it's not weird. So we can talk about whatever we want to talk about and All not right. give a shit. Okay. Um, but you just graduated UCI. I just graduated from UCI. Woo! That's cool. Like, I didn't graduate from UCI. I didn't graduate from Berkeley. I mean, you know, like... It's I didn't know that. You didn't know I didn't graduate from no. Berkeley? You didn't know that. No. No, I I have, like, a year left. Okay. If I go back. And I don't want to go back, though. You don't? No, because I don't feel like I'm in my place when I'm at school. Yeah. I feel like I'm out of place, and I don't feel like my peers are my peers. I feel separated. And, like, we were talking about the activities that happen like when I walk through campus and I overhear shit like mm-hmm. oh that party was great or this or that or anything referring to like stuff that I wasn't a part of it just doesn't click with me yeah you don't resonate with people that do that kind of stuff I don't and that's why it doesn't feel like my peer group because college at least college that like I understand or the media portrays is, is totally different than like well the university system of California is I mean, I kind of have... I can't say it, actually. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, but it's just... It's going down. Like, it's pretty bad. Let's not talk about it then. Education um, in America is just... Pretty much keeps me up at night. My mom's a kindergarten teacher in Santa Ana. And I've been going with her since I was five years old. And she is... She instills so much passion in me. Because... Every day, she's giving these children the tools to not only be literate, but to dream, to have their own lives. Like, what more of a 
honorable trait can you do? Like, you can't give that to someone. I mean, I guess you can. But these kids are so young. And they come from an impoverished area, pretty much. Yes, in Santa, Ana. Santa Ana, California. Yeah. 17th Street, too, which is pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, 17th Street is a rough area. Yeah. Um, kindergarten is so crucial. It is. Because like, if your teacher believes in you, then you believe in the world. You believe in yourself and your capabilities and, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you make friends and you learn how to behave in yeah. society. So much of school is about that, but there's so much misbeha- misbehavior in school, which is also very weird, you know? Yeah. Um, and is it a trickle-down effect or is it a trickle-up effect? I mean, do we... I personally Where do we think get the each, from? each individual is different. I can't really say because if you were to say that, you know, children who misbehave are, it's like all from their parents or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because I had a pretty rough childhood. I mean, uh, actually, I would agree with that because when my childhood <laughs> got rough, I changed completely. I was in survival mode. I feel like a lot of kids get that way. And when they go to school, they're still in survival mode because they don't know how to act. You know? Okay. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, it's weird because I'll go to my mom's school and I'll walk in and these kids, they just yell, Brooke, and they're so excited to see me. And there's not a bad kid in the room, you know? Right. My, my mom has had gang members come to her door with a gun and say like, what are you telling my daughter? Do you tell her, like, I'm in jail? And, like, my mom's just like, no. Like, just, like, super calm with them. And they just, like, back up. But <laughs> it's pretty intense. She has an intense job. Are you getting cold? No. No? I'm okay. Okay, cool. Um, you had a rough childhood. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that rough. Everyone has their shit, you know? Right. Um my dad which this is pretty common like adultery is like pretty common in this day and age but my dad cheated on my mom when i was like two years old i have a i have a younger brother who's like three years younger than me and we knew that my dad was trying to divorce my mom when i was eight because this stupid idiot tried to serve us papers when my dad was eating dinner at our house. So we're all sitting at the dinner table and there's a knock at the door and my mom looks at my dad and I remember this, which is so weird because I don't remember a lot of things, but yeah, she got up and seemed super flustered and my brother and I like thought it was some sort of a game. Yeah, we should wait. Hold on. <laughs> it's like the worst timing. It's like the worst timing. Some, some like little Stupid prop bitch, plane. Bitch plane. I know, it comes out of nowhere Jeez. and just ruins our interview. Jeez. Does it nowhere in the interview? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So we're picking back up because uh, the airplane just decided to fuck with us, you know? <laughs> um, so you have a younger brother that's three years younger. Uh-huh. His name's Christian. His name's Christian, mm-hmm. okay. And does he live locally? Um, yeah, he lives in Woodbridge with his mom. Okay. Um, 
basically, my dad decided that he didn't, his life wasn't fulfilling enough, and he, he was in a position of power, and he had sex with his chick, unprotected, and then he had a kid, <laughs> and my brother worked at Hollister when he was like 16 or 17, and my younger brother Christian, who we had never seen before, comes into Hollister and says, I'm your brother. Really? <laughs> Can you fucking imagine that? Like, what a trip. No, I can't imagine that at all. I would flip out. I don't know. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Oh, you should okay. that. Yeah, that's possible. You're. Um. So. It was all very confusing when I was growing up because my mom demonized my dad pretty well. She did a great job because she was super emotional. And when you're a kid and you see someone who's so important to you so emotionally taken and distraught and in a way she's like her her soul was like taken from her when my dad left she didn't feel like she had anything to live for so my mom changed from the role of a wife and a teacher to a victim my mom's a victim she's still to this day like her behaviors her actions you know Things like that can change you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And for my mom, like, I think later on in my life, I'm going to want to write a book or a couple of books. And I don't know. I have a lot of shit that I've been through that a lot of people have no idea about, you know? Uh-huh. Like, in high school, no one really knows each other's business. Yeah, I, I didn't know that your your family situation was like that. I, I had no idea. I knew you lived with your father and yeah. your brother... Um, your older brother mm-hmm. and I have I'm wondering why do you why did you choose to live with your father well as I grew up my mom was an alcoholic and okay. she was really really hard to live with you know I always wanted to be out of the house I always you know wanted to be with like my boyfriend and I would leave a lot and those were terrible years for her because she was super alone. Her kids were growing up. She was drinking a lot. And I was at the point where I had thoughts of my own. And if she was going to drink, I was going to tell her that she was an alcoholic. Like, I was straight up with her. I didn't okay. want to be a victim, too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> this is this is where I said that my identity sort of changed a little bit when I was, you know, I was dealing with all of this crazy shit and I didn't know what to do. So I rebelled, you know. I s- would stay out with, like, my boyfriends until 2 in the morning, and I'd, like, have them drive me to, like, my dad's house in Costa Mesa with, like, his girlfriend and his, like, illegitimate child. Like, okay. <laughs> such, like, a fuck you to my mom. And I feel so bad when I think about it now, but it was completely necessary, you know. Like, my dad had no idea who I was. He didn't raise me. So when I went and I lived with him and his girlfriend and his son, it was ridiculous. He let me do whatever I wanted, you know? Really? Yeah. Because he just wanted me to be okay there. He just wanted me to be happy 
because he wanted to continue living his life the way he wanted, you know? Yeah. He didn't want to make problems for me so that I would freak out and then ruin the only good life he had left. Interesting. It's but you, but you, like, you still live with him, though. I still live with him. Um, he and his girlfriend broke up around the time that um, I started going to college. So he got his own place, and we started living there. Just, just me and... It's Holy so shit, those... Where, where, where is that? Where is that? That's like really loud. Really? Yeah, we're pausing. We're pausing, and we're probably gonna pick this up and move because totally it's getting fine. more serious. That's and nice. like, for some reason, in Irvine, at like what time is it? Let's see. Pull out my phone. It's nine fifty-one p.m. August second. We can't just go over there. I mean, we could. Okay, let's do that. Okay. But like, it's crazy that it's it's ten o'clock in Irvine. Oh my god! You guys should see what Brooke just did. She just basically. Oh, it's still on. Yeah, she did a stretch where she pulled her freaking leg over her head. Dude. Like, it's nobody's business. It was business. not over my head. It was basically over your head. No, like, this is insane. Like, I was not ready for that. Even though you're a dancer, I was not prepared for that at all. Don't worry about it. And we're cutting. Bye-bye. So, um, we were talking about, like, why you chose to live with your father. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you told me that your mom was um, dealing with alcoholism mm-hmm. and your father didn't really know you and he allowed you to explore your life the way you wanted to explore it mm-hmm. because he he was satisfied with what was going on in his life i think also a big part of it was that my dad had an immense amount of guilt that he was carrying on him at all times because of what he did to my family so he just didn't even know how to parent me because He knew that I had all these negative feelings about him and his life. He didn't even know how to be my friend or, you know. At this time, my dad was, like, at the top of the world. Like, he drove a Mercedes-Benz. He had a really... Well, he still has the same job, but it's, like, weathered him so greatly. But at the time, you know, he was stoked he would dye his hair blonde and he had a mercedes and he had a girlfriend and he had a son who went to a private school and played lacrosse and he kind of just forgot about us but it wasn't all bad my dad's a my dad's a good man the key is a great man but he you know there's this recurring theme in his life where there's this duality about him where he feels like he needs to fulfill multiple things in order to be happy. He needs to be a ridiculously powerful player at his job and feel like he um, he's having an okay life. And he gets so upset that he drives a Prius and he lives in an apartment now, you know, compared to his prior life with his Mercedes and his, you know, two-story house on Wesia Loop. I mean, at, at the point that I'm at, it all just seems like 
it doesn't matter. And I feel like I told myself that for a really long time. I mean, it obviously has affected me greatly because I'm extremely compassionate, extremely empathetic, but (laughs) I don't know. Like, I study humans, but how much can you really objectively study yourself? You can't. Right. You can't, so sometimes when when I talk about it, I feel like it's so weird. I feel like it's someone else's life that I'm talking about. But because everything that happened to me when I was younger was so jarring, and I didn't even have it as bad as some people did, but, you know, what I had was extremely jarring for me, and it shook me, and I was, you know, I was never the same. Yeah, I... I... I have no response to that. I, I just don't know how that... I, I don't... I can't understand your experience. Um, I mean, it's better to say that than to... try and speak... from somewhere that doesn't understand. Because I feel like so many people have done that to me in my life. Of course, with good intentions, but... It almost makes it more painful because I can hear in their voice that they don't know. Because if they knew, they would probably be quiet, you know? Uh-huh. People who would, you know, just tell me, like, it's going to get better. or It just seemed like they wanted me to stop talking, so they were trying to say something. Which I'm sure they had great intentions, and they were just trying to really make me feel better. But, I, you know, there's this theme in my life, like, I just was so afraid of being a victim. Because of my mom, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's not too negative of a thing because my life now, like, I will never settle in my life. I'm constantly trying to be the best person that I can be. And I'm not saying that my parents didn't aim for that and then life took them in separate directions. But I mean, all you can do is try and be good and hope for the best, I guess. So I want to want to move on, move to a different aspect of life right mm-hmm. now, um, from childhood to adolescence to your adulthood, and from previous conversations we've had, uh, we've discussed like your stagnant position in life that you feel because maybe your environment is. Lacking of experiences you wish you you were having. Yeah, I mean... I feel like sometimes when you can define something, it's less interesting to you. And I'm an extremely curious person. I'm, I'm always wondering how things work and why things are the way that they are. And I feel like... I know everything about this place. Every, I mean, this place has given me everything that it can. And people always tell me, you know, you're so lucky you live in Irvine. It's so safe and, you know, everyone's so nice. And it's, it's just a good, it's a quiet place to live. But <laughs> I've pretty much sucked it dry. Like, I, I can't gain anything from here Probably simply because 
when I'm just living, when I'm just around, I just look at everything and I probably write it off as something that it's not. But I guess that's just like our nature. Like when you think you know a story about something, you put the story to the face that you think it belongs. And I feel like that happens quite often in Irvine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty bad, I'm sure, to say. Is there anything you feel you can do that temporarily will satisfy you to stay here and finish what you're working on right now? Well, it's hard to say because, honestly, I have no control over it. So it's like I'm going to have to figure it out either way because okay. I'm essentially broke right now. Okay. But, I mean, more than anything, I'm just seeking adventure. I just want to get away. I want to live. I want to love. I want to get angry. I want to get frustrated. I want to look at art. I want to go to concerts. I want to talk to people who are interesting. I want to talk to everyone. I just feel like... I feel like I can understand a lot of languages, not in a literal sense. Like, I understand, I can understand a lot of different things about life. But for the most part, I feel like the types of interactions that I have in Irvine fall in a very specific section of that spectrum. I just, I just want to live my own life, you know? I don't want to live with my parents anymore. I want, I want to be by myself. I want to have something that's my own. I want to have a space that's my own. That I can just do whatever I want. Live freely. And it's not to say that I can't necessarily live freely here. But I feel like I've been in a sing- like one room for my entire life. And I've had windows that particularly in the past couple of years that have shown me the outside world and all of the beauty and splendor and sometimes like terror that happens in other countries but it's not that room you know yeah it's not the room but if you just picked up i know you're broke (laughs) yeah but like we're all broke at some point Mm -hmm. like we're all 22 and broke yeah. It's kind of okay. It's okay to like be broke. No, it and, definitely like, move to LA. is okay. Yeah, I would say yes because it's a step. It's not like a it's not like a jump and I've been there before. I'm going to go to San Francisco at the end of this month with my friend. So, we'll see how I like it there, but I don't know. It's so weird to be talking about this stuff and think about how different my life is going to be in a year probably and I'll think back on my thoughts right now and just think that they're probably rather juvenile (laughs) and naive but that's okay because this is just where I am right now it's funny because when I was thinking about talking to you I thought about watching interviews of like some bands that I like (laughs) And how some of them are, like, super stoned and, like, zonked out of their mind. And they just, like, say the most ridiculous shit. But sometimes those are the best interviews. (laughs) But those interviews are so fake, Brooke. 
they are absolutely they're like five years before you're a celebrity you might be a oh no no, no. i mean like bands like indie bands i know indie bands but like really indie bands, yeah absolutely Wait, once you once you have this like idea of who your followers think you should be maybe you become that because they want you to be that i don't agree i don't know i think that with some bands you're correct but the kind of music i listen to I, the reason why I invest into that type of music is because I believe in the artist, and that's why I listen to that music. So I wouldn't want to necessarily think or promote the idea that that interview <laughs> is like somehow fake or, or staged in a way that they want to be viewed. But I guess that's what we were talking about earlier, like Facebook. Like everyone's identity is just a projection that is either seen as true or false, but you'll never really know. Unless the person's a liar. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We need to, like, there's a lot of background noise because we're. Going back to bands, or anybody who is in the public eye, they, they kind of take up who they're expected to be. Right, they fulfill the identity that they think is allowing them to be successful. Right. But so, I, I mean, I, with an understanding in that idea, there are still people who I think try and maintain some fraction of themselves. Oh, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying that, um... They're staged. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to be yourself when so many people don't really know what you're, what, mm-hmm. what or who you are, and you, you don't want to like alienate them. I think that's so true. I was learning about that in my improv as language class. No, wait, no. Improv is an infrastructure for social interaction, which is actually super interesting if you think about it. Uh-huh. When you enter into a conversation with someone, it's technically, like, if you look at the rules of, like, acting improv, they're essentially the same. Like, they draw a lot of the same starting points and ending points and different tools that you use in order to carry things on okay like you know how you just said okay yeah that's one example in improv you're always supposed to agree with whatever the other person says i wasn't i wasn't saying that to agree with i was saying that to (laughs) but you said okay yeah hold on you just kick the the mic stand i'm just not gonna move don't move no i'm kidding um i i said okay to acknowledge you my point no no no. just acknowledge that i am my attention is there um i could have said i could have shaked my head mm-hmm. but that wouldn't come across i don't know i just then no one would hear you well it, it yeah um anyways dude this is the sky looks crazy right now <laughs> it's like really cloudy but the sky is really dark blue and the stars are shining and it's really pretty there's an airplane flying overhead is there, or is that like a really loud car? No, 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 that's an airplane. No, it might not even be an airplane. It might be like a satellite. I don't know. Oh, you see it. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Anyways, I'm getting kind of exhausted. 
I think we're gonna cut here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. Um, You're welcome. I really appreciate it. It's a. Uh, it's been a cool experience. <laughs> Thank you for interviewing me. It's. it's yeah, it was a good conversation. I don't know yeah. if it's an interview uh, so much. Um,